Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, the most interesting podcast in the world covering Pac-12 football and maybe some Pac-12 basketball. More news on that in the future. This is Brian Conger, the host of Wildcat Radio. And week seven, we are, what is this, halfway through? I'm here, I'm here with the, the, the wizard behind the beta rank advanced college football statistical model, Mr. Rob Bowron. What's going on, Rob? Oh, I'm I'm so excited to be here. I mean, we're down to uh, there's only 14 percent of preseason data left in the model. Um, so it's almost all in season. Um, and I'm like the, everybody's heading in the direction they'll probably nearly end up in. So it's good. And the, the model had a great, great week against the spread. So um, with the exception of like Texas OU, which was a turnover aided. <laughs> <laughs> Your model's all grown up, man. All right. I know. <laughs> like this is, this is one of my favorite weeks. Cause like, uh, ne- I mean, next week's really like the, the big coming out party because then we're at week seven. It's purely in season data, but yeah, it's, uh, this is when it starts to get really fun. Cause the, there's a lot less variability in predictions. And are we halfway through the season? Almost how many weeks are there? Outside of both, uh, I think there are a total of. They're supposed to be thirteen. I think they'll end up being like fourteen weeks, give or take. Because like the hurricanes and stuff, and <laughs> or whatever. Well, I think Army, like Navy, week, and all that stuff. We have like a week. Yeah, we have like a week zero, and then like the the championship games. You're, you're you know everybody gets one by week and twelve games. Okay, it's I'm so bummed that like we spend so much time going into the the actual Pac-12 football season and. Like and every year, it's just like gone by the time we even start really getting into our groove. It's such a bummer, but uh, just how much I love college football. And let's talk about week six here. Uh, it was kind of like a revenge of the bottom feeders. That was my general impression this this uh, past week. You had UCLA looked competitive against Washington. Arizona beats Cal. You have Oregon State looking like a like they might actually upset Washington State for a bit. We'll get into that game because it was like quite a turn of events in a very short period of yeah. time but they looked pretty good for a while um i it was interesting because last week we had said you know that the disparity between these teams is um quite large and i still think that's the case with the upper echelon talent and the lower echelon talent but it didn't turn out to be the case as much this week did you get that feeling too or what were your general impressions of what happened in week six I mean, I, I feel like that the conference, the conference is not good this year. <laughs> I have bad news. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, other than other than Washington, really, um, right now the Pac-12 doesn't look very good, um, and the the impressions I think I came out of this week, I would say, was that. Um, you know, like UCLA's offense could be good. I think what we thought about Oregon State, and then they played a really horrendous game against Arizona. Um, like what we thought about their offense is turning out to be true. Um, what we thought we knew about Washington State coming into the season is totally flipped on its head. Like this offense is amazing. Um, yeah, we lose a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, like rank number eight in beta rank right now uh, nationally for offense. Um, And we thought their defense might be fairly good and we were way wrong. Like their defense is not very good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there's I mean, Colorado's a big surprise. I mean, they had they they had a they had a, a fairly 
a good game against ASU. I mean, actually a pretty good game by both teams, but um, like the, I, I think the big surprise was, you know, Utah coming out and Utah looked like a good game, a good team in advanced statistics and a bad team by their record. Uh, and they come out and just wallop Stanford. Yeah. Um, but that UCLA, that UCLA one was, the, I guess the real surprise. I mean, I, I took Washington in that and that was dumb. You know, never take, never take Jake Browning and the spread. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, UCLA's offense didn't look bad in that game. And that's, that's, that's probably the most surprising thing after having watched them. Um, and, the, but I mean, it should, it, it made me go back and think, cause the model definitely bumped Colorado's defense up. It made me think, go back and reevaluate, um, should we, should I have looked at, you know, it was that all UCLA offensive ineptitude in that game or was some of it like good adjustments by Colorado's defense? And I think a lot of it was good adjustments by Colorado's defense. Yeah. Which speaks highly of what to expect from them in their game coming up against USC. I do want to cover the Utah game. Cause I talked about some of the bottom feeders and for a while I kind of had Utah, not, not at the bottom bottom, but at the bottom half of the Pac-12, uh, knowing that their defense was good. It was just the fact that their offense was so incredibly inept. Uh, they scored like 10 points against Northern Illinois and just looked like a total mess. And they're going back to their roots. We covered this a little bit last week, but they've continued that. I mean, Zach Moss had a heck of a game, 160 yards, two touchdowns against Stanford. And it looks like this Utah offense has understood, okay, like, we're going to run the ball and we're going to be Utah and uh, we're going to put Tyler Huntley in some positions to throw the ball and, and hope that he does well. <laughs> and that's probably all they need actually. Now that their defense has really made the leap, they've had good defenses in the past, but Rob, I would, uh, I would assume that you think that this is one of the best probably defenses Utah's ever had, right? This so- is the best defense they've had. I mean, this, this far into the season, um, in advanced stats, they've had some pretty good defenses. I mean, last year they had a pretty good defense. They finished 25th nationally. Um, right now they're number 17. Um, you know, there's that from where they're sitting now, you know, they could, they could move a little up, a little down in either direction over the rest of the season. But, you know, a little up for this defense is, you know, into top 10 range nationally where you're, where you're ranked next to a bunch of like sec type defenses or Michigan's type defense. Like that's a good place to be. Um, this is a nasty, nasty defense. <laughs> um, and they're off, you're right. Their offense, like, um, they took a step forward. I mean, the model basically decided that, uh, Utah's offense was a little better than we thought. And Stanford's defense was a lot worse than we thought, um, a couple weeks ago. And I think that's probably the right assessment. I mean, I don't think that you can look at the, you know, the totality of Utah's games, um, and even some of this game against Stanford and say like, Oh man, like Utah's really figured it out. Like, I don't know that they're, you know, this, this Utah team is going to, you know, be able to show up and just beat, um, anybody with this offense, but, uh, with their special teams, which are very good. And this defense, like they don't have to be great. Like, and they're, they're going to get great. They're going to get great field position. They're going to get some turn, you know, some turnover aided field position from this defense. Um, they're going to be put in positions where they're going to be able to, uh, make the box score um, look worse than it would be if they had had to start, you know, all their drives back at the 25. I know it's hard. I'm going to switch over to Washington here because you mentioned them as being the premier team. I, I want to see, obviously, this Washington-Oregon game. It's one of the best games of the year in the Pac-12. So I'm interested to see how well Oregon does. They have Washington at home, and I think they have a chance to win this game. We'll get to that. But 
Do you think Washington has any chance at all of making the playoff after dropping uh, after have they dropped a game? I'm sorry. Yeah, they lost to Auburn and Auburn has not Auburn's dropped two now. One one to LSU and one to Mississippi State. Man, that's funny that it was so far away. I was I was thinking of the Stanford Oregon game, like who won that game again? Hey, that's, that's right. Yeah, Oregon ended up dropping. <laughs> so, but do you think they have a chance of making the playoff? I think we're done as, as a conference. We had kind of talked about this a little while ago, but I think Washington could run the table. I mean, they just have such a good defense, and uh, really the talent in the Pac-12 isn't built <laughs> to stop them. They could probably lose to Washington State. That'll be interesting to see that Apple Cup game. But let's say they run the table. Do they have any chance of making the playoff? I mean, I think if you're if you're an eleven and one conference champion, you have a shot to make the playoff. I think the tough thing for Washington is that there are there are basically no more marquee games left on their schedule. Um, I mean, you don't think that Washington you, State game though? Like Washington State can run the table and, and get to that point where they're you know they're playing at the I, end of the year to make the the conference championship. I think Washington. But is that is that going to like? I mean, at the same time, you're going to have Alabama, Auburn. You know, you're going to have, um, you know, when 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 Washington goes into play, um, you know, insert Pac-12 South team that they will probably beat. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, like you're going to be looking at like Bama, Georgia, probably. Um, and Clemson, you know, even if they look a little, you know, fluky, like I just think it's it's tough for Washington because you don't have, I mean, Ohio State. Is already one on the road with Penn State. Penn State's probably going to wax a lot of teams for the rest of the season. Um, it's just, and, and Notre Dame is going to be favored in the rest of their games. Yeah. Now that's not just like it's hard to go undefeated. So just you know, assuming that the rest of these teams are going to run the gauntlet, I just I think in the rest of college football, it, the, you know, you are seeing a lot like like you're seeing in the Pac-12, where you just see one one team that's sort of ahead of the pack, um, and you know it's just really on them to run the table at that point um, for the trouble for Washington. It's like, I mean, Bama's going to get to play LSU, uh, you know, left in this season, you know, still that'll be even with LSU losing, like that's still going to be a good game um, and a chance for, you know, like even if Bama lost that game, like they're probably still going to make the playoff. Um, that's the, that's the sort of hard thing I think for this Washington team. Like, although, I mean, never count out, Again, like eleven and one conference champion. If chaos happens around them, but if you, let's say you have, you know, like one of those one of those spots is going to the SEC champion, um, one of them might go to the SEC runner up <laughs> if it's Georgia. Uh, and you've got Clemson, you've got Ohio State, you've got Notre Dame all lurking. Um, Washington's going to and here's the thing like do you trust washington to start to win dominant i don't that's my problem with washington actually is that they're they they lack they, they are not they don't play like a championship team hmm. all uh, in a lot of games um and that i think really hurts them um down the road because i mean man bama georgia you know even notre dame like they're just waxing people i mean notre dame shellacked Stanford and then went on the road into Blacksburg and just whipped Virginia Tech. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I think that's the X factor there where not only 
not only do you have these other teams that have better wins on their record and better conferences, now you have Notre Dame too that's in the mix, and that just probably yeah. stiff arms us out. And chaos is a latte, as uh, Littlefinger would say. So it's <laughs> like the only hope, really. Um, well, and mm-hmm. Washington. Ha- I mean, here's the thing: if, if Washington whips Stanford, I mean, beats Oregon by a good margin, uh, and whips Stanford. They've got a shot. But if Washington plays Oregon and Stanford close, um, their their goose might be cooked. Like they, they need to show that they can put as much space between themselves and Stanford and Oregon as, you know, like a, a Notre Dame one. What does your model have um, in terms of the rankings of the Pac-12 right now? Who are the top five and who are the bottom five? I know that I know that doesn't add up to twelve, but we can skip the middle. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, right now, Washington comes in at number eighteen. Uh, Utah comes in at thirty-one. Washington State's at thirty-three. Colorado, uh, with a big jump, um, without that preseason data weighting them down, comes in at thirty-six. Uh, Arizona State comes in at forty. And then the bottom five, let's go bottom up. Uh, Oregon State is the 124 in the country. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> yeah, Arizona's at 98. Okay. Uh, Cal is at 82. UCLA is at 81. Uh, and this is going to surprise people, but uh, Oregon's at 71. Ooh. Um, Oregon, if you've played Stanford, uh, uh, you basically have been falling with Stanford if, if that was your <laughs> – um, and that's totally fair. I mean, like as we reevaluate what we think of Stanford uh, in this season after getting walloped by Notre Dame and Utah, uh, it's really fair to look at teams that played Stanford close and say, like, what do we think about this team? Is this team actually any good? Like, if, is being as good as Stanford actually being good? Um, and Oregon, uh, their defense really has not had a great season. Um, their special teams has been very bad, particularly their kickoff coverage and then uh, their offense, which had benefited from having a good game against what had been very early in the season. A highly rated Stanford defense fell because it turns out we know Stanford's defense isn't all that great after Notre Dame and Utah. OK, OK. Well, let's get into these actual games. We're going to cover week seven and review the week six games in a segment we like to call the sleazy bets. Hey, um, can I get some Pac-12 gambling advice up in here? Is William Shatner? You want it? Pac-12 gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it? Baby, just bust a move. OK. All right, all right, here we are, here we are, a sleazy bet segment, and lots to talk about here. I want to, we should start by highlighting the format, because I think it was a little bit confusing in the first couple of seasons or episodes that we've done. So basically what we're going to do is we're going to go, I'm actually throwing off the timing here in the sense of, normally we go first game of the week, second game of the week, third game of the week, but um, I want to talk about some other games because they line up back to back and stuff. But, so what we're going to do is we're going to go through every uh, week seven Pac-12 game, and then what we'll do is we'll break down the team's uh, how they performed in the previous week. So, for example, like the first game is Washington is a three and a half point favorite on the road against Oregon. That game's on ABC. And what we'll do is we'll break down the Washington game, we'll break down the Oregon game, and Oregon had a buy. So that, that's just the format that we'll do going forward. So uh, this is obviously the premier game, Rob. And I was 
I think this line is probably where I would have had it. I think I would have had Oregon as maybe a two and a half point favorite on the road against Oregon. You're not as high on Oregon. I still think this is a good team. And I think this is a team that uh, could absolutely beat Washington, particularly at home with a fired up fan base and a really good quarterback and a good def- defensive coordinator. I know you just highlighted some of the weaknesses of Oregon. Um, but let's talk about Washington first. Um, they uh, they ended up beating UCLA thirty one to twenty four. I had the chance to watch about uh, three quarters of this game. Uh, two two things that jump out of mind. The first is they're calling Dorian Thompson Robinson DTR. Stop that. Don't ever do that again. Never never like just that's a stupid nickname. <laughs> the second thing was I was impressed with how he was able to move the ball against a very good Washington defense. One of the things that we thought would happen this, in this game would be more of a Washington versus BYU type of game where Washington kind of methodically scores against UCLA and then UCLA's inept offense can't do any Thing against Washington's defense that was the first part was the case where Washington just really just grinded away and beat UCLA and put this game out of out of reach and UCLA really wasn't that really that much in this game the whole time they were just kind of catching up to, to get to a point where it was respectable but they could throw the ball and they can run the ball and I thought this was impressive uh, what were your general kind of impressions of the score and the outcome here I mean my first impression because I watched UCLA looked utterly lost on offense against Colorado um, and parts of that game against Cincinnati. Um, this offense looked night and day different <laughs> in this game. Yeah, you, you called Tip Kelly a bad offensive coordinator. <laughs> no, I, I mean, and, 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 like, with rightly so with some of those games. Right. I mean, but he, here's the funny thing. Like he basically stuck to his guns. Like Dorian Thompson Robinson had two rushes for 14 yards in this game. Like he didn't go back to some like running quarterback, like zone read type offense. He basically stuck to like, I have a very fast quarterback, but I'm still going to make him hand it off and throw the football. Yeah. Um, and the difference in this game, even versus their game against Colorado was Thompson Robinson was, reasonably accurate um 27 of 38 against this washington defense um which i think like this ucl offense is it has not been good most of the season so um i don't think if you're washington you should look at this and say like oh like chip kelly's got a bunch of talent and he's like you know a very smart guy like you should look at this and say like Ooh, what did we do wrong um <laughs> because dorian thompson robinson like like all of a sudden is night and day difference um but i I mean i think a big thing if you were going to tell me coming into this game that miles gaskin would average 4.3 yards carry against this ucla defense and former walk-on joshua kelly (laughs) (laughs) would average 6.3 yards against this washington defense uh i would have told you you were crazy um but that actually happened um and this 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 should give you I mean this should give Washington some pause I think Oregon's defense is still very good or offense is still very good um like Washington should be a little worried because uh Justin Herbert could easily go 27 of uh 38 in this game um you know without breaking a sweat I think the one thing with 
this game, the the two big takeaways uh, aside from the DTR is the fact that Thompson Robinson was able to connect a lot. I mean, like you mentioned, so he's twenty seven for thirty eight, two hundred seventy two yards and two touchdowns. He did throw a pick, but that that's way way better than I would have anticipated coming out of this UCLA offense. With that said, I do think that this is this was a look ahead game for Washington, and we had talked about this last week. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't look as much into this as a Washington fan as I would as a UCLA fan. If I'm a UCLA fan, I'm going, okay, like that wasn't terrible. We, we were competitive right. against a very good defense and there, there were enough pieces of this game that we can take away and find some positives from. So I, I think way more strongly on that front where if I'm a Washington fan, I'm just like, all right, like, you know, it was on the rose at UCLA. UCLA sucks. I'm, you know, whatever. This was this was a whatever game, and that's the type of um, <laughs> the type of effort that Washington ended up giving. But uh, I'm with you in the sense of their secondary is quite good, and their front seven is quite good, and they gave up a lot of yards to this UCLA uh, offense. And I am still worried about their run game. I, I'm with you on the fact that Gaskin is is just not not what I thought he would be this year. Will that change the way that I think of uh, Washington moving forward? No, because I think we kind of realized that in the first couple of weeks of the game or the the um, of this season. It was kind of like, ah, you know, their offense is fine. Um, it's just whether or not their defense can really step up. Uh, I don't like. There really wasn't a ton else to take away from this, other than like UCLA's. It's kind of that bottom feeders are kind of figuring out how to not be the worst ever. <laughs> I think that's probably the case with UCLA. We'll see what happens when they play their next game. But um, anything else here on, on Washington? I, I wasn't. I was really trying to take more away from this game, but I just I don't think that that's really possible. I mean, I guess I would, what I would take away from this game, though, is, is as we talked about, it's the running game. I mean, they ran the ball fifty-five times. I mean, if you take away the, you know, fumble or whatnot, then they're like, they ran the ball 52 times. Um, and they did not come, I mean, like as a team, I mean, I think their average is 3.6 yards per carry. That's not good. Um, you know, against a UCLA defense that, I mean, other than Ricky Wade, who's, who's even good on this defense? I mean, and Keyshawn this year South, like, they have holes and depth issues on this defensive line and they've had them. Um, you know, I, I really would have expected Washington for running the ball, you know, miles gas and getting, you know, 27 carries in this game. Like he should have had a lot more to show for it than 116 yards against this UCLA defense. Like that, that is very surprising for this offense. That's what I'm worried about. kind of shifting to Oregon here with Washington going into Oregon. It's going to be a loud crowd. And I like Oregon's front seven. I think they're quite good. And I don't trust Jake Browning on the road, <laughs> like you mentioned. Uh, I think that Gaskin and, and Ahmed haven't been what they should be. I don't know if this Washington offensive line is at the level that I thought they would be. And this goes back to when we were talking with the Law Dog when we previewed Washington, because I was really excited, basically saying, look, th- this is a an incredibly experienced offensive line, and you have these two really good running backs. And he was kind of, he said, really pump the brakes on that. He said, well, yeah, there's experience, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be awesome. And that looks to be the case. I think he nailed it. He knows his team better than we do. And I I don't know if Washington is going to be able to score points at a level where they can win this game, which sounds bizarre. For, you know, 
from an offensive standpoint, when we move the defense, I do think Washington's defense is quite good. But I wanted to throw that at you. Do you think Washington has what it takes to be able to score on the road at Otson and, and where they can actually win a game? I do. And uh, the reason I'm going to say this is because that uh, Oregon did not get great pressure on KJ Costello uh, in that game that they had against Stanford. Um, and when you get when they you get pressure on Costello, like he's he, he gets unsettled like Notre Dame and, and Utah, and he's he's not very good in a lot of cases. He makes some bad throws. Um, Oregon was not able to get really consistent pressure uh, against him in that game. He had he had time to sit back and make good throws. Like say what you want about Jake Browning, like if you give Jake Browning that kind of time, like he is going to pick you apart, um, and that that should open up. Uh, this, this offense uh, t- to be able to run the ball uh, if, if Browning is able to throw the ball like they you know most teams like they prefer to run to open up the pass but this Washington team should be should be able to uh, you know go in reverse and be able to throw the ball to open up the run uh, for them and I, I also think like they're they're I do feel like they are going to start to get into more of a rhythm and maybe this Oregon game is where they find it because they, they do have a new play caller um, in Bush Hamden and he's, he's not, I don't think at the level that you would, uh, where you would say that Jonathan Smith was, but you know, I think he started to figure it out a little more, uh, at least I hope so <laughs> for Washington and the PAC 12 sake, because, um, you know, the, the PAC 12 does need to at least make a, a good run at the playoff and Washington's really our only hope at this point. Flipping over to the other side, this is a Oregon team that can run the ball. C.J. Verdell is quite good. Travis Dye and Tony Brooks-James. I mean, they have people behind him that can also move the ball. Uh, not to mention Justin Herbert. I wouldn't describe him as he's not. He is a much better thrower, but he can also move if he needs to move. I guess that's probably the better way to, of putting it. Uh, and they have an excellent quarterback. I, I I'm looking at this front seven of Washington that go and just going, man. Like if if there's one game where this is a litmus test for how good Oregon's running game is. <laughs> it's Washington because this is probably one of the better front seven in the country. Do you think that Oregon has the talent to be able to, at the very least, keep the uh, Washington defense honest? Gee, certainly. I mean, I think that, I mean, Washington, I mean, again, like we can go back and look at that, um, that game against Stanford, um, Stanford's defense basically gave gave up, you know, willingly gave up almost everything underneath, um, and it didn't work for most of the game because Justin Herbert literally hit every pass. <laughs> I mean, Stanford's strategy was like, you know, give up every, almost everything underneath, try to make good tackles, um, so you don't giving up a lot of yards after the catch, and just let it go. Um, once Herbert started hitting some incompletions, like it actually kind of worked. Um, Washington's defense isn't even going to do that. Like they're going to come after you. They're going to punish you. Um, they're going to try to take away the run. And I don't know that, I don't know that this Oregon team is, I mean, I think that this offense is good enough, um, to, to be still be able to score some points on this Washington defense, but this is going to be a huge, huge step up for them. I mean, the best defense they've played up to this point is Cal, uh, and Cal's offense gifted Oregon's offense with amazing field position in that game with four turnovers. Um, this uh, this this Oregon team is this is going to be a, you know a, kind of almost like a punch in the mouth uh, facing a Washington defense that's uh, a big step up for them. And they, uh, like I said, like I don't know, I 
I, I think they can show up. I think that they can score some points. I, I don't know that it's going to be enough in the end. On the passing front, we were looking at the wide receivers. Obviously, Dylan Mitchell is the player to keep a lookout for. 27 receptions, 442 yards, and two touchdowns. But uh, if you watch him, like he is quite good. But when you look at Washington's other wide receivers, there isn't a whole lot there. And you have a good secondary with Washington. So you can... I think that gives the Washington defensive coordinator an opportunity to do some more creative stuff where, um, where they can bring in a safety. They can do, you know, they can put more pressure and stop the running game because uh, I just don't trust the passing game outside of Mitchell uh, as much as I would if they were playing a team that didn't have some pretty solid corners and some good safeties there. Uh, so I, I don't know it'll be interesting. I, I still like Oregon in this game. I just do. They're at home. And that matters in college football. I think that they have good game planners. I think they have some talent. Obviously, they have a good quarterback. And I don't trust Jake Browning on the road in Autzen right now. I don't trust their running game as as much as I would in past years. And, uh, yes, they have a really good defense. But give me Oregon. I think just the fact that they um, are going to be fired up and this is a team that has some talent that can challenge Washington. And I've been somebody that's been more down on Washington than I've been in the past years years and for this whole basically this whole season i've been thinking like okay this is the game that washington loses and i'm gonna stick by that so give me uh give me oregon and uh that's a big win for them i don't know if it gets them to the pac-12 uh, championship but i think it's a good win for them moving forward and you know they can build on all that stuff but uh, i'm i'm super excited to watch this game so you're, it sounds like you're taking washington though yeah i mean this is tough because i mean all the arguments that we have about oregon are basically that that they're better than they played this season. Um, and that we're starting to get to the point where like those arguments start to like, like we've got enough data behind it to be like, uh, are they, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know that. Um, I don't think that their defense is as bad as number 98, uh, but they haven't shown it. I mean, that's the sort of the problem It's like, they haven't really put it together at any point in the season where you're like, Oh yeah, like clearly, um, and the model, my model is designed to pick up those kinds of inflection points. So if you really do start playing better, the model will, you know, sort of forget or wait less, like how bad you were like way back at the beginning of the season. Um, I just, I don't, I just, I haven't seen Oregon have to, I haven't seen Oregon really put it together against anyone that we actually, it turned out to be any good. Um, and they really, in that Stanford game, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I came away impressed I think with that Oregon offense more than I thought I was going to be, uh, I've been very surprised with how bad the defense has been given Jim Levitt is still the coordinator and they do have all that talent that we talked about in the preseason still there. Uh, but I, I, I will trust the data here. Uh, even if it, this is a much closer game than the model currently expects and Oregon does play up to all the talent and, um, coaching that we know they have on there, uh, Washington should still be a better team. What does the model have in ter- Have you run the, the data on the game yet? Yeah. So, uh, this is like, this is given like how disparate they are right now in, uh, the model, uh, Washington's got an 82% win probability oh. in this game. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> okay. Like, and I don't, like, again, like, I don't think that, I don't think that Oregon is really as bad as like, as they have played this season so far. Um, but that said, like they, they actually have to prove it. And even if Oregon is not as bad as the, they have played so far this season, I don't think that they are, 
I still think Washington has enough of a cushion in there um, because Washington's faced some really good teams and some really good defenses. I mean, yes, Auburn's dropped two games, but Auburn's still good. You know, still a very good team. Um, you know, Washington had to go on the road and beat a very, very nasty Utah defense. Um, you know, like, and I don't think Oregon's defense is anything near where Utah's is right now. So, okay. Does your model I'll, I'll build? Does your model build in home fields? Any, yes. Okay. Yes. So, um, anything anywhere, any anything where I'm running out of win probability, that is home field is factored into that. Okay. Um, all right. Let's move on. Saturday, seven thirty p.m. Fox Sports One. Colorado is a seven point dog on the road at USC. I was really hoping this line would be different. They freaking Vegas is starting to nail it here. Um, but so USC had a buy this week. Or this past week, let's talk about Colorado. Colorado beat ASU twenty-eight to twenty-one. This was such a fun game. I got to watch a decent amount of this, and uh, and it was just really, really fun to be able to uh, watch these teams go back and forth. Obviously, had incredible talent on the field offensively, and uh, question marks all over the field defensively. Uh, Rob, you had the the opportunity to watch this. You were assigned this game. Tell us what happened. Uh, this was a, a pretty well played game by both teams, actually. I mean, the model had this as about a, a, a 50-50, you know, toss up game in between the two teams going in. Uh, Colorado ended up winning by basically one possession at home. Uh, Steven Montez played really well in this game. Um, I thought he threw the ball extremely well. Uh, they didn't run him as much as they had the week before, but um, the, uh, Trevon McMillan uh, was also pretty good in this game uh, for Colorado. LaVisca Chenault was otherworldly in this game uh, in a way that I, I mean, Nikhil Harry really wasn't, although I don't think that's really on Nikhil Harry. Um, I think it just, it came down to uh, at the end that Nikhil Harry was hurt in a really fluky type. That was a weird uh, hit. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of people talking about this hit Um, in a really fluky hit uh, where the guy had been pushed way out of bounds. He actually got tangled up with uh, coach McIntyre's like headset. um, And then like, just comes running off the sideline and like drills Nikhil Harry, uh, you know, Nikhil Harry doesn't even see him coming. Um, A lot of folks from ASU thought it was a dirty play Uh, from everybody. I've heard that saw the full all 22 replay. It wasn't like he was actually pushed out of bounds. It's illegal to just run out of bounds and then come in and drill someone. Um, But if you get pushed out of bounds, it's, it's fine. Um, so he was blocked out of bounds and then came back in. Uh, Lewis was, but, um, and then can, at the end, many, can, wait, can I uh, just cut in real fast? Yeah. What on earth is Nikhil Harry doing with the ball? <laughs> yeah, like, what? It's just ridiculous. And, and for people that didn't watch it, so he was, I think, returning a punt or a kick or something. Like a punt, he was returning a punt. What in the heck are we doing here? Like, th- there's no purpose for him to be the guy taking that ball back. Hey, I know he's fast, but he's he's a big dude. Like, put 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 the sacrificial lamb back there that's fast and running around where you can sustain those injuries. I, I just thought that was ridiculous. I because I tuned in. A little bit before or after the play so they were they were just showing the replay and i'm going like you gotta be freaking kidding me he's the one returning the punt this is freaking stupid but anyway go ahead no punt returns are inherently dangerous i mean like and um i do think and, I, and coming into this game i like the way both asu and colorado find ways to get Nikhil harry and lavisca chanel the ball outside of just throwing it to them but I do think that giving Nikhil Harry punt return duties 
is a stupid way to go about that because, <laughs> um, yes, he could give you some explosive plays. ASU has some other, I mean, Frank, I mean, Frank Darby would be an interesting guy to have returning punts. I mean, ASU's got some athletic guys that have some, you know, wheels. Uh, you don't need Nikhil Harry there and the chances of him taking just a shot, um, as a punt returner, like, yeah, don't, don't do that. That's stupid. Like he's too valuable. Um, and then Manny Wilkins was hurt in a play that, uh, I got, again, I got toddlered and I didn't get a chance to see. And then fricking pack 12 on the replay of the game. Like there's an entire drive missing. And it's the one where <laughs> Manny, Wilkins, <laughs> Manny Wilkins got sandwiched. So thank you. Pack 12 networks for having an incomplete video uploaded for replay. I'm going um, to add on to that because this was on the pack 12 Reddit forum where they're complaining about the, the replays just like the three to four minute clips. I know this is different than the pack 12 60 or whatever, but yeah. it's, uh, they're really bad. It's, it's half of the replays are, uh, of the game. You want to watch the recap. Half of it is people explaining what happened. And then it's two minutes and it's never like the actual important parts of the game. Whoever does those cutups really needs to uh, have somebody walk through and tell them how to do it. Because I've, I've, there's been a number of games where I'm, I want to see something I'm like, where's that? Where's that highlight? Where's that highlight? And it's not there. I'm like, everybody is talking about this. How is this not on the highlight? So again, yeah, throw it back to you, but just want to get that out there. No, no. And it was, uh, so I didn't get to see, uh, Manny Wilkins got sandwiched and he was rattled. Um, so, I mean, ASU did not really have their best shot, uh, to come back, uh, at the end of the game. But the, the, the real story I think out of this is, I mean, for the most part, ASU and Colorado were trading shots on offense. Um, and, and Manny, both Manny Wilkins and Steven Montez had some beautiful deep passes. I mean, four touchdowns, uh, or just big gains in this game. Uh, Manny Wilkins did not throw the ball nearly as often as Steven Montez did in this game, but his, his passing was just terrific. So, I mean, I think if you came away from this game, uh, just wanting to watch some highlights, of some guys that could really sling it, um, you got to see that for sure. But, uh, the DJ Elliott and the uh, Colorado defense made some good adjustments in the second half. And they really shut. I mean, even beyond having, you know, Nikhil Harry get hurt and eventually Manny Wilkins. I mean, they really shut down this ASU offense. Uh, it was able to run. I mean, you know, Benjamin was able to run the ball reasonably well. I mean, Trayvon McMillan was too. Um, so you, I, I was, I was surprised that uh, Colorado was able to to show up in the second half and shut them down like they did. Uh, and, and kudos to them. I mean, the Colorado defense, which I think we had questions about, uh, even as their offense looked good, um, has really come up in the model uh, coming out of this game. I think they're number 34 right now in beta rank. So uh, Colorado looks like a very dangerous team uh, coming out of this game and ASU like, Going on the going on the road and losing by one possession to uh, a team that turns out that we think is as good as Colorado. Like there's no there's no shame in this in this game for them. Oh, absolutely! I was really impressed by what they were able to put together. Uh, one of the things that we had talked about was the fact that both of these teams weren't great at run defense. And it showed, but not overly. <laughs> it wasn't over the top yeah. terrible, which I think shows on both fronts the fact that they are improving over time. You know, Benjamin had 120 yards and two touchdowns. I understand that, but nobody else really was able to get too much going against that. Um, now he did carry the ball 28 times, so yeah, keep they, that 
that in mind. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that I didn't really throw anybody else in there, but um, I don't know. It was, I it was that was something I was looking looking at, kind of going, okay, is Colorado going to give 200 yards Zeno Benjamin, and vice versa? Is ASU going to give 200 yards to Trayvon McMillan? And the answer in both cases was no. Uh, I, this was just a really enjoyable game, and I know you've mentioned Lavisca Chenault being uh, otherworldly. We one of the Arizona. Um, wide receivers had tweeted us saying that he was the best wide receiver in the country in relation. I actually had mentioned LaVisca Chenault and that is not the case. Uh, this, this guy is so, so good. Chenault. I mean, obviously the two, uh, 127 yards, two touchdowns, he's going to do his thing. But like you mentioned, Rob, putting him in the wildcat just to get him into the end zone, it was just fun to watch an offensive coordinator do some fun stuff and get the ball to the person that needs to have the ball. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, Chivarini does some, I mean, uh, Colorado, I'm not the only one that thinks this. I mean, some Colorado fans think like he gets cute. I mean, they do some (laughs) Colorado will run (laughs) Colorado will, you know, overthink it. They'll run some double passes. They will, you know, uh, throw an end around that should have been like, they they started out with an end around reverse or reverse that went into a pass that went into like back to the guy that originally had the ball. Um, and it, it worked. Uh, I mean, Colorado right now, it works a little more often than it doesn't uh, when he gets cute. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, and part of that is like some of the time when he's getting cute, like it's like, let's put LaVisca Chenault in the Wildcat and have him pound it in. Um, you know, like he's, you would you wouldn't necessarily think that would work because he's not like a, like he's not like a huge huge. I mean like the Cal's fullback last night was like five eleven two ninety. Um, like Lavisca Chenault is not like your bruising like would never be mistaken for like your bruising running back. But like it, it really works for them, and um, I, I really think that getting your to like outside of having him return punts, which would be stupid, um, having him you know in there. Uh, getting the ball in a variety of different ways is, is a really smart way to maximize his effect on your offense. Yeah, and Frank Darby had a good game, wide receiver at ASU. Uh, there was a tweet, I forget who, who did, it was one of the guys that, that that cover ASU basically said, Frank Darby hasn't caught a pass in a game or two or something like that. And uh, right after they tweeted that, he caught like a 60-yard six, bomb and also had a couple other good big receptions. So just want to give him a little bit of credit. So Colorado is a seven-point favorite on the road at USC. This is not a good USC team, Rob. Um, and I kind I was of shocked. Why? Really? Like I really like I, yeah. I mean, the USC is favored by seven. I was shocked. I, but, I didn't know what to think just because I still like, <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess they did play ASU. I, I kept saying like Colorado ain't play nobody, but uh, they, they did play ASU and they were able to uh, hold them to 21 points. So th- this is a better Colorado defense than I thought. And so I think the ASU-Colorado game was a good litmus test for a lot of issues on Colorado that we thought they might have going into the, the season, but it didn't look like it, but you didn't really know because they didn't play anybody. Um, so it sounds like, so you're surprised that it was seven. Where would you have set the line? I would have had I would have had Colorado by four and a half. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So to give you an idea, like right now, I mean, almost if you've played Stanford and you didn't play them very well, or you just played them as well as Stanford played you, um, you, your ranking took a hit because the model really, really reevaluated Stanford in the last two weeks. Um, USC who got beat by Stanford, um, it was 17 to three and they were almost unwatchable in the game. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, USC's offense right now, and especially after having a fairly, they had a so-so game that was penalty aided and mistake aided against Arizona. I mean, USC's offense comes in ranked number 81 um, in this game and their special teams are 105. I mean, you outside of that defense, this team has just been a mess. Um, and Colorado, Colorado comes in with the number 18 offense in the country, the number 34 defense and some really problematic special teams at 120. <laughs> <laughs> some deeply, deeply problematic special teams for Colorado um, that will come back to haunt them at some point in the season, uh, probably in rather dramatic fashion. But, um, you know, if you're looking at this Colorado team versus USC, like Colorado comes in, you know, on the road with a 66% win probability in this game, um, that in itself, like I would, even if you think like we don't have a good peg on Colorado yet, and that's fair. Even if you think maybe that the models unfairly dinging USC for having gotten whooped up on by a Stanford team that then just got rolled in the last two weeks. Um, fine. <laughs> Believe that. I just, I don't think, I think if you look across, like if you, if you had to trust Steven Montez or JT Daniels at this point, that's an easy one. If you had to trust, you know, USC's wide receivers at this point, like versus Colorado's wide receivers, that's an easy one. Like I would even, I would say that, I mean, like it's a little bit of a toss up between USC's defense and um, Colorado's defense. Uh, but yeah, give me give me Colorado's offense in this game. Like I just I like what they're doing. Like it, I mean, this could all change. I mean, turnovers like this is this is close enough that like one turnover could change it, and USC could come away with a you know an easy win. But I don't think that USC is seven points better than Colorado. And uh, as it is, like versus where the model is, like Colorado's basically got almost like eleven points to play with. Jeez, and and actually, I'm going unit by unit trying to figure out okay what are the matchups here so you have they're, they're gonna put iman marshall on lavisca chanel and probably marvell yeah. tell they'll probably shift him over and just figure out a way to to put more pressure on him and, and marvell tell is excellent by the way i yes, i'm great. a little bit uncertain about marshall i think he's good i don't think he's like world beating but he's he's a he's a legitimate he, he's a um, legitimate USC cornerback, if that makes sense. So you know yeah. he's not an All American, but like he he would probably start on any other Pac-12 team. So I think that's kind of what they do there. But there are some other wide receivers that Colorado has, and I don't trust the rest right. of the secondary <laughs> like at all. <laughs> um, you know the running game. The, you have. Uh, Trayvon McMillan is is going to what does he get like eighty yards maybe maybe a hundred like max I don't think I don't think that's a super strength of theirs but it'll be enough to keep the defense on their toes my worry is when you flip it it's the linebackers and defensive ends against the 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 offensive line of Colorado. That's where things could be a bit worrisome. But, and I know like we've been really trying not to interject Arizona into these podcasts, but Arizona has played USC. I watched that whole game and Arizona's offensive line. Like they didn't hold their own, but they weren't embarrassed. And it's in a really yeah. bad offensive line. They, they were not embarrassed by this, uh, this front seven of USC. And I think that's probably like, I, Oh, I know that Colorado's offensive line is better than that. So that's probably the biggest mismatch and it can't be 
it's not like the, the gap can't be that big, right? No, and I, and here's the like I I really think like Stephen Montez did not run much in this game, and they didn't try to run him much in this game. Like I could see them doing a lot of what they did against UCLA, where Montez was like sneaking around and rumbling for like forty yards, you know, pop. Um, you know, Montez is athletic enough that you know if they're if the running game isn't working you know, strongly with McMillan, um, you know, that they could, they could try to run Montez a bit more against USC. I, I do, you're right. I do worry about Port Augustine just showing up and having a game, you know, um, and some of the other USC guys. And, and I, I fully expect like Cam Smith is going to have his, you know, share of tackles and a couple tackles for a loss in this game, uh, against Colorado. But, you know, like we, we, barely even mentioned Jawan Winfrey this season. <laughs> he has been a, yeah. like, um, you know, like Jay McIntyre, the coach's kid has been more of a factor. I mean, Colorado, it, what they said at the beginning of the season, and I was, you know, I gave them some pushback when we did the preview from the guys from the free ball and, you know, podcast on this was, you know, is, you know, we haven't really seen many of these guys play. Are they really as good as we are hearing about, you know, like, is that a fair thing to like, they really lived up to it. And, and Tony Brown had a good game on, on his, you know, four receptions that he had against um, ASU. Like it was, they've got some options and I, I think you can sort of overwhelm. And I, I definitely think if you looked at this USC defense against, uh, Washington State. Like, if you if you told me that USC could shut down the run, like, would you trust them against the team that was very confident throwing the ball? Like, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I think the only scenario where USC can win this game, it, which is a very possible scenario, by the way, is if uh, Cedric Ware and Stephen Carr get it going on the ground and at Malapai, uh, which they could. And I still don't trust this run defense that much uh, of Colorado. So there is a scenario where they just were ground and pounding. We're just going to win this game by three to seven points. Boom, boom, boom. On the ground, you can't stop us. You can't stop us. And Colorado will put up their points, but USC has the ball control factor and all that stuff. So the it's not as it like USC can certainly win this game, but I don't know if that happens. So I'm with you, Rob. I'm going to take Colorado and, and, uh, you know what, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to sprinkle a little money on the money line there. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> uh, and it sounds like you're going to take Colorado, Colorado as well, right? Yeah. I mean, you're right. If, if USC can really establish the running game, then absolutely. Uh, you know, like if, if Carr and uh, Ware averaging, you know, over five a carry, then yes, Colorado's, you know, going to be in trouble uh, in this game. I just, I really do think actually that this, this Colorado defense, like they've made very, very good adjustments in the two games I've watched of theirs, like two weekends in a row. Um, and they did in the Nebraska game for the most part too. I mean, this Colorado defense, I, I, I actually am, I'm coming around on. Okay. Well, let's move on. Friday, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Arizona is a 14-point underdog going <laughs> on the road at Utah. And um, let's talk Let's talk about this Utah-Stanford game first because Utah just punched Stanford in the mouth. It was fun. It was really fun to watch. Um, I had the chance to watch a decent amount, not all of this game, but um, I, I think the first thing to, to mention like we did at the beginning of the podcast is that Utah has clearly made that pivot back to what made Utah Utah, which is run the ball. Um, just keep, keep grinding, keep grinding. 
put Tyler Huntley in a position to throw the ball if he needs to. And he made a really beautiful pass to, um, uh, I forget the guy's name, Samson uh, Nauka, I think is how he, anyway, there was a, like a 70 yard bomb. It was awesome. Uh, outside of that, it wasn't you know, whatever, like 17 to 21, which is actually pretty good. 200 yards. Um, but clearly they have figured out, okay, if we get the ball moving on the ground, that might open up things for Huntley. And that certainly was the case in this game. It, just this defense is so nasty. Like they, they are disgusting. And I fear for Arizona's life as they move into Salt Lake City. This is a team, a Utah team, they are getting at the wrong time. Uh, they have figured it out. And like you had mentioned, Rob, their defense has already been top 10, top 15. But now, they have an offense that can move the ball i think they're going to beat the crap out of arizona uh let me throw it to you here but but uh, first of all did you get a chance to to see any of the utah stanford game yeah i was dual screening uh the games late and watching uh doing my best to watch them both (laughs) (laughs) um it is i say that as like as it became apparent that utah was just waxing stanford um i watched a little less of that one uh Utah was Stanford couldn't stop the run. I mean, this, this just comes down to this with this Utah offense. I mean, they grayed out a little better than they did last week. So they, they came in last week at number 98. This, this, after this week, they came in at number 77. Um, the model just basically decided that Stanford's defense wasn't very good, uh, out of this game. And I, I think that's the right way to look at it. I mean, their defense wasn't very good last year. They lost a bunch of folks like, in the very early season data and partly based on recruiting, we thought they might be good. Uh, turns out we were wrong. Um, but, uh, Utah, we, what are you talking about? We, I was out on the super defense. Yeah, there we go. Okay. <laughs> I, well, I mean, yes, like, I mean, they were pretty good against Oregon ish. I mean, like they slowed down that Justin Herbert just enough. Um, no, no, I, certainly... I was just kidding. I meant at the beginning of the year. I didn't mean... Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, at the very the beginning box. of the year, I was very skeptical because it was mostly based on recruiting rankings. Uh, but the – I think that this this Utah team, like, if they – and Arizona's defense is not good. So let's get this out of the way. Uh, Utah should be able to run the ball in this game. Arizona has not been able to really slow down anyone running the football. Um, Utah should be able to show up and run the ball. If they can run the ball – Tyler Huntley is actually pretty decent. Like if he's got, uh, if he's got enough time and he's got a running game that he can depend on and you're not asking him to win the game with his arm, like you can rely on Tyler Huntley to get you there. Um, so I, I do think that, um, Utah is going to be able to put up points in this game. Um, their defense is just nasty. Oh my goodness. And Arizona's um, the, the, offense is unwatchable. Just, yeah. Unwatchable bad. It is so terrible. I just want to throw that in there, right? Like it is it's yes. polar opposites here that we're looking at. So no, everybody, like, as I say, like Utah's offense comes in at number 77. Arizona's offense comes in at number 85. Um, and they get to take on the number 17 ranked defense in the country. Uh, at last week when they played Cal and they were just, I mean, gouge your eyes out bad to watch. Um, Cal's defense uh, is number 37. They were pretty much unwatchable against number 35 USC. Uh, Utah is just another level of horrible for Arizona to have to face. Um, They, uh, and what Stanford figured out that um, Washington figured out at that second half uh, against uh, Utah was that Utah will blitz from a variety of angles. Um, Scaly will bring lots of pressure um, and it, uh, 
I mean, it really blunted that Washington attack in that second half. And Stanford, I mean, Costello, he didn't say, he didn't set his feet very often. He got rattled under pressure. He made some really bad throws. Um, and they really just ate up that Stanford offense uh, consistently in that game. So uh, I would not expect a hobbled Khalil Tate to even make it through this whole game. Yeah. Uh, I wanna, well, I don't want to bleed into, let, let's talk. I want to go back quickly to the Stanford game and then talk about the Arizona Cal yeah. game. Cause we kind of got it back. Well, let, let's move the Arizona Cal game to, to the next one when we talk about that. But, um, a couple things here. It doesn't look like I'm mean, gonna have to go back and look to see if Bryce love is on the injury report still, because he did not play, um, against Stanford. And actually I had picked Stanford, on this podcast and then when i was writing the preview i basically was i i wrote myself into picking utah and i switched my pick at the last moment because i liked utah's defense i didn't think that trevor sprites or cameron scarlett are good and they're not um particularly against a good run defense and i just thought that the shift from Utah to the running game i don't trust the stanford defense still and that that seems to be the case so it was just It'll be interesting to see if um, uh, if Bryce Love ends up playing. I think Stanford has a bye this week, but I just want to throw that out there that he wasn't in this game. Uh, going back to the Utah-Arizona matchup, th- the one thing to keep a lookout for is there was a moment in the Arizona game where uh, Arizona needed to get like nine yards or something, and Khalil just burst forward. He got 40 yards, and it was it was old Khalil Tate, and then immediately you could tell he was hobbled after that. I don't think his ankle gets uh, – he's he's truly injured, and I don't think his ankle heals up for this game. If it does, though, I think that does change things substantially because when he's moving, the offense moves. When he's not, the offense dies. And Rick uh, – Rick, (laughs) sorry, Rob, we we had talked in our Wildcat Radio podcast that – I mean, we were like advocating for bringing somebody else into this game, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I just think Arizona's strategically, Arizona's got a bye week after this. I mean, it's not just that I don't know that Khalil Tate's going to survive the number of hits Utah could deliver on him uh, if he's not able to dodge them, <laughs> dodge blitzes effectively. But I, I, I also think that just Arizona, it's in their best interest to sit him, um, give his ankle three weeks of, of rest if you count the bye week, uh, and try to come back into the last half of the season and get bowl eligible. Like it's this, this offense clearly isn't working with, with Khalil Tate uh, in his current state. So, um, you know, try to get him healthy and, uh, and move on from there. Yeah, for the non-Arizona fans that are listening to this portion of the podcast, he can't throw if he can't run like he is not yeah. he had a good game against purdue last year he had a good game against uh, southern utah this year but when tate can't move around the pocket and do stuff he can't be relied on to make his reads correctly and it just kills this offense it reminds me of the brandon dawkins offense from like last year and the year before that it is just i gouge i gougingly bad i don't even know if that's a word but that's how bad it is so uh give me give me utah i think they win by more than 21 points they're going to beat the doors off of arizona uh, what does the model have, by the way? So the model has Utah. Oh, I just have this right in front of me. It is a 83, 84% win probability. That's a little under 14 points. Um, but I, I actually think that uh, I don't think Arizona is going to survive this game very well. I will, I will take Utah in this game. Let's talk quickly about the Arizona Cal game, like a minute or two, because we already covered this on Wildcat Radio. But uh, for the 12 pack radio fans, 
Arizona had 24 points, but 14 of them were from defense. Like, just they could could not move the ball. And Cal is not a good team. Uh, I just, uh, there's, I'm glad that Arizona won as a fan, but I'm, I'm not glad that they won based on the quality of football that was played on that field. I'd actually rather them suck. <laughs> just everybody realize that, oh my goodness, this team needs a lot of help. Yeah, I mean, Cal's offense is atrocious. I mean, they're uh, as bad as Arizona's offense currently grades out um, at number 85. Cal's all the way down at number 120, one of the very worst offenses in all college football. Um, so Cal's defense, as we covered a little earlier, they're they're good. They have a good front seven. Um, they were pretty good in coverage against Arizona's fairly limited wide receivers. Um, but this 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 team, uh, this Cal team is is going to be uh, a defense first team. Um, not to say that at times they couldn't move the ball fairly well against a, a, a bad Arizona defense um, and then shot themselves in the foot. But uh, I guess if I was going to say, watch out for Cal down the road at parts of the season, it's going to be like if McElwain starts to figure out not making dumb mistakes, like this offense could be interesting and this could become an interesting team late in the season. Yeah. And uh, we have a pillow fight Saturday, 4 PM on PAC 12 <laughs> network. UCLA is a seven and a half point dog on the road at Cal. I don't know how to handle this game. <laughs> like that's the, that's the right way to think about it. Because uh, I don't know either. Because <laughs> so I actually want to take UCLA here because I don't trust Brandon McIlwain. I don't trust the Cal offense, like you mentioned. But I also don't trust UCLA's offense against a good Cal defense. But I I was encouraged by what I saw against uh, Washington. The the but that can be a trap, right? One of the things is like you see a team play well. Oh, this is how they will perform for the rest of the season. And then you know it was just one game where they performed well against a, a, a Washington team that clearly wasn't focused on that game. Um, I don't know. What what are some of the keys to to this game that you would see here, Rob? I mean, I think the keys to this game really are for Cal to win is just Cal just can't turn the ball over. That's it. I mean, that sounds like that sounds like an obvious one. But I mean, if you watched any of uh, the turnovers that Cal had against Oregon, the four that they had in that game or the four that they had against Arizona, um, Cal just can't turn the ball over. That's it. Like they, they've McElwain isn't, I mean, his turnovers are insanely bad. (laughs) His, his three picks against Arizona are as bad as interceptions as you will see. Uh, but he also had some good plays and he's athletic and he can move. Um, and they, uh, if, if they can manage a clean sheet, they win this game. But do you, the tough thing is, do you, do you trust them? No, to, no, to, to no, not God, turn no. the ball. I mean, like his, his reads were, I mean, he clearly missed three. He missed a linebacker sitting in zone uh, with help, you know, over the top. I mean, let alone two safeties. I mean, he missed Scotty young twice um, in the game. I mean, just, uh, but I mean, I get to so flip that around again. Do you trust Dorian Thompson Robinson to, you know, complete 65% of his passes again? No, but, <laughs> but maybe 60, like, so, so if, if Thompson Robinson goes 60%, two touchdowns and an interception and their walk on running back, you know, runs for a hundred yards, that might be enough, like at least a cover on the road, right? 
I mean, the tough thing is on this game is like the model has it like as a straight up pick them. Like it's <laughs> the model is like, I don't know. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's 50% either way. Um, Cal's a favorite in this game by seven, seven and a half. That hook, like I, I mean, I, I want to take use, especially if it would, now you just said that if they're even and I get seven and the hook, like I'm taking UCLA. That means that that Cal's got to score yeah. twice, twice more. Yeah, than, yeah, I will. I will take UCLA in that environment. I actually, so I will say this. I think outside of Jim Levitt, who is not having a great year with that Oregon defense, I think Justin Wilcox and Tim DeRoyter are two of the brightest minds in the Pac-12, if not all of college football uh, on defense. And this defense is better than the one that they ran out last year. Um, this is a very good defense that uh, I think is only going to get better as, as these two guys are there. So um, I, I say that like I'm, like I'm just talking myself back into Cal or something like that. Like this game is so hard to pick. Uh, give me UCLA just because like, I think McElwain, I think Cal's still going to shoot themselves in the foot and turn the ball over. Um, Dorian Thompson and Robinson, like if you can do it against Washington, I mean, what the heck? Why not? I don't know. I mean, I reserve the right to change my mind on this game. Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to just, you know, hold on. Oh, why didn't it work? <laughs> I was trying to play the sprinkle song, but uh, sprinkles of money on the money line. I don't know what happened with my speaker here, but um, you're, you're right. Seven and a half points. Like I don't, I don't know that Cal's seven and a half points better than UCLA, even at home. No, no. Okay. Uh, and we spent way too much time on that crap game. Uh, last <laughs> game that happened. Now, we don't have any more to pick, but the uh, Washington State-Oregon State game, I just want to touch on this for a moment because for for, a, for a, about a, a half. A hot minute. Yeah. Well, I would say like almost three quarters. It was like Oregon State looked like it could – certainly cover like that was almost not even a question anymore and then i was like oh man we have like 40 people in our survivor pool that took washington state this could myself included this could get ugly i go to like make a snack or something i come back five minutes later and washington state is up by like 70 and i'm going how is it fourth and or third and 55 <laughs> like, it was just such a crazy very quick turning events it reminded me of like inception when you know all of a sudden like everything the walls come crumbling down and all this crazy stuff happens uh did you have any did you watch any of this game at all i, I mean i caught parts of this game just because i was like I, there was a point in this week and i only went I went two and three where I was, it really looked like I was going to go zero and five and this game was going to be a big part of that. Um, so I was sort of tuning in and being like Mike Leach, like do not just accept a win, like bury them. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> like, turn on, turn on the killer instinct. And uh, they really did. I mean, they put on 21 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for saving my bacon a little bit there. And their team um, last year would have either lost this game or they would have uh, won it by like five or th- like a field goal yeah. or something stupid. And it just shows how good of an offense this Washington state team has. It, I was actually quite impressed because I, I, I took this game. I picked Oregon state out of no fundamental. I use no fundamentals or stats. I'm just like, Mike Leach always has a stupid game and this is going to be it. And it almost was until, like you mentioned, they really stepped on the gas, which is, I think the sign of a good team where they can be like, you know, F this, we're going to score 14 or 28 straight points or whatever. No, I think the story of this game is, uh, I don't think either defense comes off looking great. Um, and the model didn't evaluate either of them as being particularly great, but I mean, Oregon state's offense 
is is not bad. All um, right. They're ranking. Yeah, I mean, they're ranking out at number fifty-one in the model right now. Um, you know, they had that hiccup game, you would call it, against Arizona, where they looked just terrible. But almost every other game they played this season, they've been pretty good. Uh, and this Washington State offense is easily the best in the Pac-12 right now. I mean, they're they're number eight nationally. Like they are lights out good. So um, both of these teams really, really need to work on defense and special teams uh, if they want to like make it through the long haul. So um, if they've got a week, if this is their bye week, then uh, like that should be their focus. Like because uh, I, either like for Oregon State, like you want to win a Pac-12 game at some point and for Washington state to make a run at the North, like they really need to clean it up. Cause you don't, as we, as we've already seen, like, you know, they lost a shootout to a pretty mediocre USC team, um, you know, like cause of that defense. Okay. Well, let's get to our contest updates right after this. Hey, Wildcat Radio fans, like the podcast? Yes? That's awesome. You're awesome. Subscribe for free to get every new episode sent directly to your phone, tablet, or computer. We're connected to nearly every podcast catcher, so just search Wildcat Radio or Arizona Basketball on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Overcast, or any other podcast catcher and hit subscribe. Do it. Do it now. All right, all right. We have two contests that Wildcat Radio and Pac-12 Radio are running. The first is the Survivor Pool Contest, which is basically you have to pick one team every week to just win. And if they lose, you're out. If they win, you survive. And you can only pick one team once in the season. We had, Rob, we had 47. Well, let me go back and look here. I want to make sure I got the numbers right. We had, uh, yeah, I think it was 47 and well, more than that, we had like 70 or something entries, 47 remaining, and we lost 13 souls, 13. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, a lot of people took Stanford. I'm like, ooh, buddy, you are rolling the dice there with uh, Stanford. So uh, we are down to 33, but we need to make sure to uh, pay homage to our uh, our departed, two of which were uh, uh, some of our hosts. So Rick Powell. <laughs> Rick DeNice Peep Show Swabbers Sierra Conger Better Tate Than Never The Wash Bourbon Slut To Helton and Back Kager Bear Hey Now Blake K Nora 33 And Team C We're sorry that you lost You will be missed <laughs> Rick Powell, Rick the Nice Man, knocked him off the mountain. <laughs> Not repeating this year. No, no. Rick the Nice, like we mentioned, has won like every contest ever. He is out along with Rick Powell. They both took Stanford. 33 uh, people remain in the contest. So, unfortunately, if you didn't join, you can't because you, you had to kind of be part of it. But next year, definitely tune in and we will add you to the contest. Who did you take last week, Rob? Uh, I took, did I take Washington State? I think I did. I think I took Washington State. Who who are you taking this week? This is a tougher one. Um, this week is well. Sh- oh shoot! If I already take, I think I've already taken Utah, which is a major bummer because I would definitely yeah. take Utah. <laughs> um, it's it's either Colorado or it's I'm, I'm not sure it's going to be Colorado or Washington one of those two. Oh my gosh I know like so if you take Colorado you're I taking will. a seven point dog uh, 
Ugh. I don't know. I right. might have to but take like, Colorado. What's your other option? Like, I mean, I mean, like, my, I mean, at some point, I do have to take UCLA. They are lurking, but not. Not this week. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so our other contest we have is the Run the Gauntlet contest where you can join this right now. So wildcatradioaz.com. Basically, you make your picks against the spread. You challenge uh, a member of our podcast team. And if you can beat – so you can only challenge one person a week. But if you can beat all of our six hosts in subsequent weeks – and you can take a week off. Uh, there's a couple of people that didn't put their picks in. So you don't need to do it every week. But if you can win six weeks in a row without us defeating you, we will buy you two tickets and they'll be good tickets to your team's basketball game um and uh, we'll pick a good game too so uh pr- pretty nice prize on on the uh, that we're giving out and we still have some people that are sur- already surviving so want to go through where we are in our picks so uh rick denice and i are now tied i caught him i went three and two last week rick went two and three rick uh had one challenge from B-Dub, uh, who went two and three, and Rick went two and three. So B-Dub does not get eliminated. He ties. So you can uh, go on. You'll have to challenge Rick another time, but uh, you are still in the pool. Uh, I went three and two. I had two challengers, and I really <laughs> fell on my face. Uh, the, the height of excellence went four and one and defeated me. Nora, 33, went three and two. We've tied twice now, <laughs> Nora, 33. So uh, I will see you next week if you want to bring the noise again uh rick balls we came into third place he went four and one on the week he's 24 and 17 on the year he had one challenge from gronky kong who was somebody that was uh had not been eliminated yet and he knocked him off the horse so gronky kong is eliminated rob two and three man what's going on 22 and 19 on the week how you feeling i uh i made bad choices i i, I took jake browning with spread and I, uh, I I believed in ASU on the road, uh, and I I don't know that I was wildly wrong, but I was enough wrong. <laughs> well, you had one challenge from Farm Team Colorado. He went three and two and moves on. So congratulations to Farm Team Colorado. By the way, if you get knocked off, you can rejoin. You just have to redefeat everybody again, so your record gets washed away. Um, Adam, Adam's starting to move up. We were picking on him a lot. He was. <laughs> He was really in, in tough shape for a while, but he's dug himself out of the hole. He's 20 and 21 now, went four and one last week, and he's just slashing throats, man. He had three challengers. Sun Devil J went two and three. Ice Cold Brewskies went one and four. And B-Dub, B-Dub entered twice. I'm going to keep an eye on you, B-Dub. I don't know if you can do that next time. Um, and he eliminated all three, so you guys are all out. So uh, shame on everybody for picking on Adam. Shame. Uh, he is taking care of business. Ronnie, Ronnie's the dregs right now. Now, 18 and 23 he went one and four on the week and he had one challenge from the c team who was two and three c team moves on and c team is another guy that has uh, basically he's riding high right now i think he's defeated two or three of us so has a chance to win arizona basketball tickets i know he's an arizona fan so keep getting those picks in wildcatradioaz.com it's right on the front of the website you can uh, enter your picks it takes like two seconds by the way so like uh, automation science technology <laughs> whatever bill walton says uh, basically aggregate everything for us so all you need to do is just submit your picks and uh, we will we will take care of you so anything else we should mention rob uh oh no actually i have not picked utah so utah this week congrats to me for having left utah for this week like i'm the best (laughs) nice um Well, yeah, everybody get your picks in. Uh, Everybody got them in last week, which is great. So everybody's taking care of business. Uh, That's it. That's all we got. We will catch you all next week. We we didn't talk about any targeting this week. 
Oh, what's uh, the? Oh, okay, yeah. Like I bring that up. So, um, <laughs> the first one was the the kid, the cow kid that just, I mean, just straight up on the onside kick nailed Sean Poindexter in the head. Here, here's here's the problem. I, I, the first is this is happening way too much, but. There's a difference between accidentally targeting, which is still bad, and you, and I think I think that I'm glad that they're cracking down on this, and maliciously targeting, and that was the case with this one. It was similar to what happened with the ASU kid that caught the the ball and got maliciously targeted. Yeah. You shouldn't be able to play for at least three or four games. Like it's it's ridiculous. And, and what that kid did to, and by the way, Sean Poindexter is like six seven, so he had to literally jump up and hit him in the head. Um, man, I I was real pissed about that did you see the, did you see any other ones yeah the, well that one and then the one that they ruled was not targeting which was on the arizona punt return which was also malicious targeting because the guy went after a i mean let's put blocker in quotes that was yeah. behind the ball carrier um and just lit him up uh it was it was that was unbelievably malicious headhunting um and then in the Colorado ASU game, uh, Colorado's leading tackler Landman got ejected uh, in the first half. I That's thought it was a, I thought it was a little bit ticky tacky. Um, yes, there was contact to the head, but uh, his head was up. It was a pretty good tackle. Um, it wasn't like, I mean, it wasn't anything like where you're like, oh man, that guy got his bell rung. Um, I don't think that was the case. Um, and then I actually thought they got it right later on in the uh, game. There was an ASU uh, player called for targeting, uh, and they wiped that one out. Like there was contact to the head, but it wasn't. It was more of like incidental type contact where the ASU player pulled his head up, uh, really almost in the same way Landman did. It was just it was odd to see two almost almost exactly the same type of calls get two I mean plays get very different interpretations by uh the league office and then in that Arizona game I mean what was clearly headhunting on that first one get wiped out as being like not having any effect on the guy like what was the the reasoning was it was that it was not did not have a a significant something but the guy had to be like helped off the field (laughs) it was like Oh, like he didn't really hit him that hard. I'm like, they practically had to carry him off in a stretcher. Like it was just like, I just, I think that the league office really has to do something at this point because like it's been, not only has it been inconsistent, it has been inconsistent in a way that is, we are not improving player safety in the pac 12. Sure. And Um, and some of them again are like malicious hits. It's just going, you can't, you can't do that. You just can't like this sport is on the ropes anyway. All right. You have to make sure that kids are safe or you're not, you're not going to football players. Like families aren't going to put their kids in football. Oh, and I don't mind. Like if we are going to universally call, um, you know, some incidental contact to the head, like I'm okay with that. Um, just, just so that we can have football. Uh, but I don't, um, what I don't like is that if you're, you're not calling consistently, like in the Colorado ASU game, Totally with you. Glad you brought that up. Um, and everybody, tune in, subscribe. If you don't subscribe to the podcast, you'll get uh, you can get them every every day, every week on your phone for free. Uh, so definitely do that. And thanks for listening. We will catch everybody next week.